Now we're asking for one more miracle today, and that's that I can do a message in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Truth is, I've, I've targeted uh, 12. So, um, in closing, let's read Hebrews chapter 6. <laughs> <clears throat> Hebrews 6, uh, beginning in verse 10, and we're going to just read uh, three verses. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Open our hearts to hear your word, our minds to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mike Lucan, one of the authors of Renovation of the Church, a pastor, he relates his experience at a pastor's conference. Quote, I attended a conference where I reconnected with an old friend. He asked me how our church was doing. I reluctantly began to explain the complicated, confusing, and sometimes painful journey we had been on. While he periodically nodded his head in understanding, I knew he didn't. He couldn't. To get it, we would have needed to pull up two chairs and have a long, unhurried conversation. Instead, he cut to the chase and asked me the mother of all questions. Is the church growing? I was droning on about the various twists and turns in the journey of our church, trying to explain what had occurred in all of its glorious subtlety and complexity, and he wanted to know if the bottom line was red or black. A black bottom line meant the journey was worth it, a red bottom line meant it wasn't. In that brief conversation, I saw one more time how American ideals have profoundly shaped our ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is simply our doctrine of the church. Impact in the kingdom of God on that day will not be measured by butts in the seats. It will be measured by faithfulness, and faithfulness requires setting our hands to a task task that will not be accomplished in our lifetime. Any fruit which some of you are benefiting from at Gulf Coast today whatever that might be, is the result of the work of some who are already in the Lord's presence. And the fruit which will abound to your account will come in part while you can see it and in large part long after you are gone. To be faithful ultimately means to be conformed into Christ's likeness. And as with Jesus, before a seed bears fruit, it must first fall to the ground and die. Unfortunately, that is the process that we will all experience in one fashion or another. The problem with how American ideals have shaped our ecclesiology, our understanding of the church, might be illustrated by the story of Nicholas Perry, related in an article titled, The Perils of Audience Capture, that came out in January of this year. In 2016, Nicholas Perry was 24, and wanting to make it big online, he began to post videos 
on his YouTube channel in which he pursued what he was passionate about, playing the violin and veganism. Going largely unnoticed, duh, (laughs) after a year, he changed it up. He abandoned veganism and started making mukbang videos. I don't know if you know what a mukbang video is. I did not, so I had to look that up. Those are videos in which the audience watches you eat, usually inordinate amounts of food. Each video was like a one-person eating competition for the entertainment of the viewers. The audience began growing quickly, as did the demands of the audience to eat increasingly larger portions of food. Soon, he began ordering the entire menu at a fast food restaurant, piling it on in a huge mound on a table, and eating it in one sitting. It paid off. He now has six million viewers. But he has changed. Now let's get it before in 2016 when he's 24. Veganism and um, um, whatever else he was talking about. I can't even remember. It was so boring, I'm sure. Um, playing the violin. So th- th- this is him. 24, in 2016 at 24 years old. But let's look at him today. That speaks to the dangers of audience capture, the perils of audience capture. When the church makes audience capture a primary goal, primary, (laughs) this is what happens metaphorically to the church. And I think it has happened in spades. And it hasn't only impacted the big churches. It's impacted every church, including us. It's impacted not only pastors, but also the people sitting in the seats. Because it has become the focus. And not just in our generation. This is something that started a few hundred years ago. When audience capture begins to define the church, it fundamentally changes who we are. If not audience capture, then what? I would suggest a return to being the true image bearers in the likeness of Jesus Christ. The return to being true image bearers in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Caretakers of the garden extending Eden to the ends of the earth. New creations expanding the new creation life of Jesus into the world. In a less glamorous way, we might use the words of the book of Hebrews that we just read. If not audience capture, then how about this? Love and good works, diligence to the end, faith and patience. Now that doesn't have a lot of sizzle and it doesn't sell, but it will on that day. Let's just look at those three things, love and good works. God is not unjust and he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Twice in the book of Hebrews, works is paired with love. The other is a familiar verse, chapter 10, verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. There, work or good works and love are not two things, but of a piece. It's like a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. That's not three sandwiches, that's one sandwich. They aren't all the same thing, but it is one sandwich. Like faith and patience, which comes later in our text, They aren't exactly the same, but faith requires patience or endurance or long-suffering to remain faith. Otherwise, it becomes non-faith. 
Good works are works of love. If separated, they become dead works, which is another way that Hebrews speaks about works. What is it that God will not forget? (laughs) Surprisingly, maybe, not how many people we went into the kingdom. Not how big our churches are. But the work and love we have shown to God's people and continue to show. That's what God will not forget. As we look over our 30 years, what will be remembered by God is not our great building. Though I'm, I'm grateful for our building. But our works and the love we have shown one another and beyond. Secondly, diligence to the end. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that you, uh, what you hope for may be fully realized. For 27 years, living in the same house, Donna and I have wanted to have an impact on our neighbors. That they would be blessed because of us, because we lived there. And it has only begun to happen in the last four years, maybe. Or really, you could even exponite that, exponentially increase that in the last four or five months. It's ramped up with new neighbors moving in, but new neighbors that are connected to old neighbors that have actually known us longer because they would occasionally visit the other neighbors and now they live right across the street or other neighbors moving in and neighbors that we've been getting to know. Just the other night, Donna and I were stopped at the curb and the, the wife uh, in, in this couple came out to tell us about her husband's mother dying unexpectedly. We were aware that you know, he was retiring to take care of her, but then within a week and a half after his retirement, she passes away. But to come out and talk about that and to spend 10 or 15 minutes talking about it and, and already beginning to talk about their relationship with God with us, and we've, we've hardly changed anything. We're just trying to be there. It took 27 years. We often want to have an impact on our neighborhood and in our community. And we think it'll happen right away, but it it doesn't, at least not usually. So we give up. Gulf Coast has had an impact in this community for the last 30 years. But we are positioned now to be radically more fruitful than we've been in the past. It matters if we don't give up. Because of the work of others and because of the work you will do. And as you do work, you'll benefit from the work that others have done before you. And much of the fruit, as I said earlier, will be born after you and I are gone. We'll be watching from the stands, the great cloud of witnesses, even as we are being watched now by a great cloud of witnesses. We must be diligent to the end if our hope is to be fully realized. And then finally, third, faith and patience. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Now is not a time to rest on our laurels. We are not to sit here and think, sure glad all those folks labored to give us what we have today. Rather, we must think, how should we imitate their faith and patience? How can we shine brighter in this community in the next 30 years than we have in the first 30 years? Ours isn't to replicate what was done. Ours is to build on what was done and make adjustments and to grow. We must think, how should we imitate their faith and patience? How can we shine brighter? What what exactly is it 
that has been promised for us to inherit the kingdom of Christ. We are heirs of the kingdom which has come in Jesus, is coming now among us, and will come in fullness. Laziness is a great enemy. Rather, we must be zealous for good works. Faith and patience are required, for it is only those who who finish the race that win the prize. We have picked up the torch from those who came before. Some of you are ready in yourself to receive the torch from some of us, and we must carry the torch through the finish line. Now today we've, we've put up banners or, or whatever you call this over here, and, and balloons, and I know what those are called. <laughs> it's good. And we're celebrating. But if we're honest, while there is so much to celebrate, we could also look at it from a different lens and say, yeah, it's a church of a couple hundred people and I mean, you're just making your way through life and it's difficult. and You know, so what? Sure. But that's how the kingdom of God is. Jesus said, you plant it and it's invisible. But eventually, it'll become like a mustard tree. The biggest bush in the garden. <laughs> I mean... A mustard tree, it's, it's, it's the greatest of all garden herbs, to be sure. But that's a pretty small scale. It's barely bigger than a bush. And it's completely unimpressive. It isn't a cypress, which was the language where Jesus was borrowing from out of the Old Testament, growing trees. He, he spoke of the giant cypresses of Lebanon and kingdoms that were like that. But his was like a mustard tree. Let us not despise mustard trees. And let us see the glorious nature of what God's kingdom is like in all of its insignificant ways. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We celebrate today. We rejoice in the testimonies we've heard and those that we weren't able to hear. Lord, receive all of this as a way of saying thank you for your faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.